0: Video games.
1: How they're made.
0: The people who make them.
1: The stories behind it all. You're listening to Random Access Memories. By Ron's Pies.
0: Enjoy the show. The world is a different place than it was during Halo's prime years. Four days before Combat Evolve's release date, 9-11 happened. A year and a half later, the Iraq War, Hurricane Katrina, Von Mauer, the first African-American president was elected in 2008, Osama Bin Laden was assassinated in 2010, Benghazi, the Boston bombing, Ferguson, Charleston, San Bernardino, Donald Trump, Charlottesville, impeachment, drone strikes, racial tensions. The world is a different place than it was in 2001. Maybe it's us, maybe we grew up and started noticing the world around us change before our very eyes. The internet is more commonplace than ever before. We see and hear everything before it has a chance to hit the evening news. It's difficult. We don't want to ignore the things going on outside. Hell, we can't anymore. But we still need something to bring us back to ourselves. Something that reminds us of a time when we weren't being constantly barraged by information and news, good and bad, left and right. It's important to stay grounded, to remember who you really are at the end of the day. You need that constant variable. You need that thing that makes you, you. Your favorite band, your favorite film, your favorite game. And for many, that game is Halo. You can always rely on it. It's always there, always ready to be enjoyed just the way it was when it came out in 2001, 2004, 2007, 2010. Or 2009 or 2012 if you're more of an ODST or Halo 4 guy. So it hurts when changes are made to what you thought was a never-changing part of your reality. A new team was in charge of Halo, 343 Industries. And with a new team comes a new perspective, and that new perspective can be difficult to accept, doubly so if that perspective is seemingly misled. Change was coming left and right. Art design, gameplay concepts, suddenly, Halo was a different place than it was during Halo's prime years too. But maybe, just maybe, that world could be returning in the near future. Welcome to Random Access Memories, a gaming podcast dedicated to the stories behind video games. This podcast is an in-depth look at a variety of the different franchises, developers, and studios around the world that form the greatest entertainment medium in the world. History, conversations, fun facts about franchises you thought you knew everything about, this is Random Access Memories. Random Access Memories is a podcast produced by Ron's Pies, a YouTube channel dedicated to in-depth looks at video games. If you like the podcast, please follow the show on your podcast podcast distribution platform of choice, leave a positive review, and subscribe to the channel. With that, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the final part in our four-part series all about the creation and content of the Halo series, starting from day one at Bungie to today, where we're documenting the Master Chief Collection, Halo 5, the upcoming Halo Infinite, and some of the other projects made under the Halo umbrella over the years. Of course, as always, my name is Wade Rospies, and I am joined in the same room for the first time in Random Access Memories history by my friend Keegan Aylers. Sound off.
1: Hey guys, it it is true. We're in the same room together for this good finale on the series, so it's pretty exciting stuff.
0: The Rona can't stop us. No, it cannot. (laughs) (laughs) I should actually be concerned because I have asthma, but this is going to be a high energy episode. We're in the same room. We're going to get hyped. We're going to make some noises. But before we get into the episode, I'd appreciate it if you subscribed to all your favorite podcast services and share it with your friends, assuming you like it. And the last episodes were a bit longer than I had originally anticipated. I I, I always wanted each episode to be at the most an hour long. Every single episode from the day one has been over an hour long. And this one is going to be more than an hour long because there's a lot to talk about. So... Without further ado, I think it's a safe assumption that everyone listening to this knows who Steven Spielberg is. Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan. It goes without saying but the man is a living legend. And in 2013, specifically on May 21st, 2013, Microsoft announced that Mr. Spielberg himself would be helming a live-action Halo TV series. The plan was for the series to be produced in collaboration with Spielberg's own production studio, Amblin Television, Xbox Entertainment Studios, and 343 Industries. Xbox Entertainment Studios was created in 2012, a production studio designed to create content specifically for Xbox Live. Considering it was established in 2012, I think it's safe to assume that Xbox Entertainment Studios was created specifically to utilize the Xbox One's focus on integrating and combining all kinds of entertainment in one system. It was called the Xbox One because it was meant to be an all-in-one entertainment device, after all. You know, the have you seen the video that kind of memed on the Xbox One announcement? It was like TV, 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 sports. Sports, Probably. sports. Because that's, that's what it felt like when they announced it. It was like, also it plays games. But it also does all your favorite TV stuff. Yeah, I
1: remember that. They, they try to, like, hammer that. are like, it can control your TV. They
0: really wanted... I remember one phrase they specifically used was, like, you're going to have a relationship with your TV. I'm like, oh, I don't want that.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then bringing in, you know, everybody's favorite Connect. We're like, yeah, you I can know. tell the Connect to go back and forth.
0: Yeah, but, like... N- In hindsight, knowing that's how they announced the Xbox One and then seeing how they established Xbox Entertainment Studios in 2012, it's like 100%. That was because they were trying to combine everything all in one. Xbox One. And ever since that day, Phil Spencer has been trying to backpedal and be like, this. I, I actually watched the E3 2014. And at the beginning of Microsoft's press conference, he says, this conference is going to have nothing but games, and the crowd just goes nuts. It's like, man, that sucks that that even had to be said, but that's where Xbox was at that time. Apparently, Neil Blomkamp was going to be involved with Halo once again, allegedly as the director of the pilot episode, except considering there's still no Halo series to be found, you can guess what happened. On July 17th, 2014, just two years after its creation, it was confirmed that Xbox Entertainment Studios would be shutting down. Later that year, in October, it was completely shut down after only producing five projects, none of which were Spielberg's planned Halo series. And none of them were really even like Xbox oriented. They were just like random, like a sporting event and like a beauty pageant. It was weird. More than likely, the studio shut down after the extremely tepid response to the Xbox One's launch and its focus on non-gaming entertainment people wanted an Xbox to play video games, not to watch TV after all. And and like I said, like that was a huge focus, but we like a little, you know, Netflix and whatever on our consoles, but it's it's more of like a nice bonus to the thing. You know, I don't have to go out and buy a Roku or whatever, unless your TV comes with a Roku like mine, which is nice. But yeah, you don't need a console built from the ground up to integrate cable. You can just, just having a Netflix app is enough, but Xbox learned that the hard way. Um, However, in 2018, it was announced that the very same series that was originally announced in 2013 would would be instead produced and published by Showtime, now that Xbox Entertainment Studios was non-existent. I don't believe Spielberg is involved anymore. However, it does seem to actually be happening for real this time. It actually started filming last year in 2019 and is currently scheduled to air in 2021. I think it was probably scheduled for this year, but then... Corona and so that probably put a hold on things
1: yeah I remember they had like the whole they had basically the whole cast too I remember when they announced like who was what and what not yeah they announced the
0: actor for Master Chief yeah I remember it it was was
1: like uh, Schreiber not his younger brother Pablo Schreiber Yeah.
0: yeah and a lot of people were like Dude's tall, got the physique for it, yeah. so
1: they're probably never going to show his face, so... Three other Spartans who aren't Linda, Kelly, or Fred. Yeah, it's friend. not Blue Team. It's, so we'll see. We'll see how it is. Yeah,
0: I'm curious, because when I was reading about the original Spielberg adaptation, it was an adaptation. It was meant to retell the events of the games, I believe, Like because it was going to be Master Chief and Cortana... Doing Master Chief and Cortana stuff, so I think it was safe to assume that it was just a re- maybe a retelling of CE or something like that. But this seems like since there's other Spartans involved and whatever, maybe it's between five and Infinite. Maybe
1: could be something. I Especially
0: know. with the rumors that Infinite is being postponed specifically because some of the resources are being are being stretched, thin because of the TV series, maybe it's because they're trying to work together to make it all tie in with each other and everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, for all we know, it could be like, hey, here's a prequel. Yeah. To Infinite. yeah who knows. Like something like that. pre reachy. I guess yeah. we'll see.
0: Um, but the reason I'm opening this episode with the Halo TV series is twofold. It was the first Halo-related project announced after Halo 4, and it coincided with the reveal of the Xbox One itself. And two, it was the beginning of a saga of ill-conceived or otherwise rushed projects with a misled vision. That's a matter of opinion, of course, but I don't think it's a hot take that Halo has had a bit of a rough go of things on the Xbox One. This was the first console generation where Xbox had completely free reign over what happened with Halo. This would be the fruit of all of their planning and labor beginning in 2007 with the founding of 343 Industries and after Bungie's departure in 2010. But despite having total ownership over Halo, 343's early experience with the new generation would prove to be extremely difficult. Despite that, however, their journey began with an extremely ambitious and exciting project. A compilation of every single Halo game in one package. As we discussed last episode, the first major project 343 Industries was involved in was a remake of Halo Combat Evolved. Evolved, the anniversary edition. It came out in 2011, 10 years after the, after the release of the original game. Well, in 2014, it was the 10th anniversary of Halo 2. So once again, 343 Industries tasked themselves and a handful of other studios with yet another remake of an original Xbox Halo game. However, working with classic Halo games could give anyone a little extra bungie-style ambition. Halo 2 anniversary wasn't enough. They got the idea to port upscale and integrate every single mainline Halo game into one game called Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Every Halo game with Master Chief as the main character, I should specify. Every single Halo game, all working in conjunction with each other. Every campaign, playable from beginning to end, and all the multiplayer modes working together all at the same time. Six different studios would work on this collection, all at the same time. 343 Industries, Saber Interactive, Certain Affinity, Ruffian Studios, United Front Games, and Blur Studio. Three of those studios, 343, Certain Affinity, and Saber Interactive previously worked together on Combat Evolved Anniversary. Ruffian Studios helped make Kinect games during the 360 era. United Front previously made the cult classic Sleeping Dogs, which is great and I really recommend it, and you can always find it for super cheap. Um, But Blur Studio, that was a big one. Blur Studio isn't a game studio. They've helped with video games, but typically they help make movies, specifically with special effects and animation. The studio was founded by Tim Miller, a name you may recognize as the director of the recent Deadpool adaptation. Blur Studio helped with projects like Avatar, Man of Steel, Scott Pilgrim, and they recently helped with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and Netflix's Love, Death, and Robots anthology series, which is amazing, by the way. Have you seen it?
1: Yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. a good show, for especially for anthology. Like, Dude, the, the,
0: the Russia one? That one was sick. Yeah,
1: it's it's sweet. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, one of fun, few shows to watch for a little yeah. bit, definitely go watch it. Also,
0: um, on a related note, one of the recent Watch Dogs Legion trailers, the super animated one, I don't know if you saw that one. It was... It was... Uh, it was aired during their Ubisoft Connect. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was that animated one. That was actually directed by one of the animators who did, uh, who made one of the episodes on Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, anyway, Blur's video game pedigree is equally as prolific. They assisted in making cutscenes for the Batman Arkham series, Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, the uh, infamously bad 2006 Sonic the Hedgehog game, and 2009's very own Halo Wars so they, they did already have some experience with Halo. Blur Studios is pretty much the cream of the crop when it comes to 3D animation, and they were charged with remaking all the cutscenes for Halo 2 Anniversary, which all look amazing, of course. Oh yeah,
1: they are um, very good looking.
0: Yeah. Uh, Blur Studios would also go on to help with another Halo game down the line, but we'll get to that later on in this episode. Just about everything in Halo 2 Anniversary was kick up t- kicked up to 11, and yet it still retains CE Anniversary's great flashback feature that allowed players to swap back and forth between the new and original graphics with the press of a button. Even during the cutscenes, which is hilarious because it'll be like these super amazing great graphics by Blur Studio and then it cuts back and you're just like, Ooh.
1: <laughs> and they don't even line up, too, because no, they did just add the some music. stuff, and it's mm. very different.
0: They basically redirected the cutscenes, yeah. too. And so um, when, you fl- when you flip back to the original cutscenes, there's no music. Yeah. And because it's just like, well, the music was recomposed and is synced to the new stuff now, so... Uh,
1: yeah, it's kind of funny.
0: But it is really goofy because you just get these awkward animated cutscenes with really goofy looking brutes and elites and the music was also reorchestrated at Skywalker Sound and Steve Vai the legendary guitarist behind the iconic Mule Near Mix version of the main theme on Halo 2 returned for the anniversary edition. I love the videos you see of Steve Vai tearing it up in the studio for original for Halo 2 originally and then it was really cool I watched the behind the scenes for Halo 2 anniversary and he's back and he's still just shredding and they're all just it's like the same exact reaction. It's like this guy is a God. Halo the Master Chief Collection was announced and released in 2014, with its first reveal happening at E3 that year. It was a pretty hype moment. All the games, minus ODST and Reach, all together, and with 4,000 gamer score to get. This was a huge moment. I remember that was actually one of the big selling points. It's like, look at all the gamer score, and it's only
1: $60. Yeah, replaying through everything with added stuff and all that. I mean...
0: And they've added more since
1: then. Oh, yeah. It's like
0: unlimited gamer score.
1: Yeah. It's like 7,000, I guess, Yeah, 7,000, so like yeah.
0: no. Which I don't know, like, f- the four games and then Reach and ODST, so that'd be 6,000, so I don't know where the extra...
1: Firefight. They added some Firefight stuff and uh, multiplayer stuff. Yeah. So...
0: And just for the record, they did eventually add ODST and Reach to the collection, but that wasn't until after it had already been out for a while, not to mention it got a PC release too. The Master Chief Collection came out on November 11th, 2014 for the Xbox One. And here's the part where I'd usually say something like, and then it sold a gajillion copies and got rave reviews or something like that. And it sold and got reviewed well but there's a much more significant takeaway from this game's launch. And Keegan's nodding his head because he knows what's about to happen. (laughs) The idea of mixing all the multiplayers of all the games into one big mode was an incredibly ambitious idea, and one that even the developers thought was impossible when development started. And it turns out, they were kind of right about that. There were huge issues with matchmaking at launch. Huge as in, basically, matchmaking didn't exist. Matches felt like they took years to get into, and they probably would have if you never left the the queue. With all the different filters, variables, skill-based matchmaking, there was so much going on under the hood, it was an extremely heavy load to bear for the matchmaking system. 343 Industries even issued an apology after releasing an endless amount of patches and updates to help with the issue. I didn't play Master Chief Collection at launch, did you?
1: I did, and it was basically... Well, let's just go play the campaigns. Yeah. That was basically what it was. That
0: works. So it was
1: it was rough cuz I wanted to play MP and especially cuz they added in the Halo 2 anniversary. Yeah, MP and they re,
0: they remade some of the maps.
1: That was awesome when you could get into a game mm-hmm. or you'd get disconnected right away. It was a nightmare. And they've done a really good job yeah, now, which it is works awesome. It's now. great now, but it just a blunder that, yeah, that was, you wish could have been avoided at first.
0: Yeah, that was I remember it's still kind of a meme. Like you almost people almost have to like stop themselves, like, oh, Master Chief Collection, I bet it doesn't oh oh wait, it actually does work. It's actually really good now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's awesome.
0: Um it wasn't a good look at the time, but they stuck with it over time. And nowadays it's almost hard to remember that there was a time when the Master Chief Collection was almost literally unplayable, but there is one question I never really answered right there. Why did the Master Chief Collection exist? I mean, money, obviously, but what brought about the idea of having every single game in one place on the new hardware and so soon? And that's because, a year earlier at E3 2013, Xbox announced a new mainline game in the Halo franchise, but one with no official title. A hooded figure wanders through the desert before stumbling across a natural phenomenon. The ground sinks, and a giant robotic figure emerges from the sand. The shockwave blasts the figure's hood back and reveals Master Chief. Title... Halo. That was a pretty hype moment. I think that was more hype than Halo 4's announcement, too. Just that
1: that whole trailer with the Guardian and then him dropping the old chip with Cortana and the thing. Like, you're like, oh, okay.
0: It wouldn't be until May 2014 when its official title would be revealed Halo 5 Guardians, the first Halo numbered Halo game with a subtitle. This would be the first mainline Halo game built from the ground up to take advantage of the Xbox One's hardware and features, aside from Halo 2 Anniversary, of course. But like Halo 2, it's kind of just good graphics, whereas Halo 5, it's like you have the the trigger rumbles and it's built with the interface in mind and everything.
1: The whole gameplay, it just uses it where Halo 2 just, I mean, Halo 2. That could have
0: really existed on 360. Yeah.
1: It was pretty, which, is, which was great, but like you, you couldn't really remap and add it without completely remaking the entire game well
0: plus the idea was it would work in congruity with the other games too and Halo 5 they didn't they didn't need to do that. So from the jump, the idea behind Halo 5 was to dramatically expand the Halo universe, even more so than Halo 4. Halo 5 would see the formal introduction of Spartan Locke, a new playable protagonist that Keegan's shaking his head. A new playable protagonist that was heavily teased and alluded to in some additional scenes and content in Halo 2 Anniversary. I actually kind of like some of that stuff. That, I like their attempts to kind of.
1: It was really cool. Do you remember? Um, I don't know if you remember this, but when you beat Halo 2 Anniversary for the first time. Or I don't, it, might, it might be every time they drop, there was a trailer mm-hmm. at the end of it and it showed Locke with the Arbiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody was like, That was a hype scene. That was so cool. And I remember sitting there like, oh my god. But Because
0: like that's kinda like their their presentational way of getting behind of like re-releasing Halo 2. It's like this is the arbiter telling Locke the events of Halo yes, 2. Yes, of Halo 2,
1: and you're sitting there and you're like, okay. I'm but like, that's, that's actually pretty smart. Awesome.
0: Yeah. That was actually a really smart way of doing that. Again, 343's goal was to integrate the series more fluidly with the overarching lore of each game and that initiative really began in earnest with the Master Chief Collection. Owning the Master Chief Collection would also grant the player with beta access to Halo 5's multiplayer in late 2014. Xbox also wanted a huge focus on online and cooperative play during the Xbox One generation. For this example, I'm sadly going to use the ill-fated Scalebound by Platinum Games. Xbox wanted co-op for that game, but Platinum wasn't exactly developing with that in mind, and eventually the game was cancelled. The reason I bring that up is just to kind of demonstrate, like, Xbox, Xbox was going huge on like, we want every game to be playable with friends. We want, we want like you to never be a very, so we want every game to be a social experience essentially, much to the chagrin of a lot of developers. And that's also how you get games like Sea of Thieves and stuff like that. It's like, we want social
1: experiences. It's more focused on p- multiplayer than mm-hmm. where the actual story, where like you were talking about with Skillbound, it's like, I really could not have seen that game. Going with an actual multiplayer, even just...
0: It looked good. It was just like, why does this need co-op?
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, if you were interested in the game anyway, I wouldn't have cared to play with friends the way it looked like.
0: It's an action. It was an action game. Yeah.
1: I... Yeah. So, to each their own, I guess, and whatever Xbox had going on. It's like playing Devil May Cry co-op. It's like... Why?
0: Okay. (laughs) It's there, but okay. So, bearing that in mind, you can kind of see why Halo 5 had such a huge emphasis on co-op in the campaign's design. The entire campaign was built from the ground up to support co-op. And while the other games in the series supported co-op, obviously, co-op wasn't really baked into the design itself. You would just play as four different Master Chiefs.
1: Yeah, in Halo 3, they added the Arbiter was the second player, and then those two... Well, in Reach, you had customizable
0: customizable characters, too, so that kind of helps. Yeah, so they were
1: actually their own and stuff like that. But that's the thing, is they wanted it to be... Focused on lore. Yeah, you're each each, a character in this world. Like you're not just four chiefs, four harbors Like no, it's you had to have it. So yeah.
0: Well, even in Halo Reach, it doesn't make sense because like what? I'm all. We're all Noble Six.
1: Exactly. It's like
0: Noble Six, Seven, Eight, and it's like what? (laughs) And Nine. It's like no, no. At all times in Halo Five, the player would be surrounded by three other characters, either controlled by AI or by another player. Co-op was a huge focus for 343, much to the chagrin of players like me who preferred the one-man-army feeling of the previous Halo games. Except for in Reach, where that's... But you're still one dude, but it's like... It's not like... It's obviously... We just discussed It's not the same as it is in Halo 5. The premise for Halo 5 was, and still is, a highly controversial subject. Nearly all the marketing material for the game, save its announcement trailer in 2013, featured a mysterious dual narrative called Hunt the Truth. The idea...
1: Oh, Keegan. Pick me. Um, if you guys have not, which I don't even know if you have, did you listen to the Hunt the Truth No. It was, it was, yeah. With Keegan had, Michael Key?
0: It was a whole, um, like Hunt three. the Truth is basically the umbrella that yeah, all the marketing I, was under, uh, which included a podcast.
1: I geeked out over that so Oh my god, leading
0: hard, up, I can't even imagine.
1: Because, well, they did, like, two different series. They did mm-hmm. one part with Keegan Michael Key being the main guy, and then the second part, they did a second person, which was literally, like, what led up to the events of mm-hmm. Guardians, but, like, that is, obviously, it's very scripted and, like, yeah. in-universe. That was, like, I would literally sit there and wait every week to listen to that stuff. It was amazing. If you guys want to go listen to some actual fun, cool Halo, Halo lore stuff. Mm, so, you, you recommend, recommend it, it? I highly recommend it. It's nice. it's a good... In YouTube, you know, you can li- literally listen to the first part of Hunt the Truth, and it's, like, three and a half hours. The next one's, like, two and a half, Jeez, something like that. so, so, like so it's, like, chunks. It, yeah, and each chunk was probably a good... 20 to 30 minutes but still oh, I see, I see, yeah so. yeah when they came out on youtube it's just compiled. yeah they compile it so nice. you can and it's split up into parts so you can definitely like listen to part one two three four five and six like that you know, listen really
0: to it while sure. you're playing Halo 5 exactly. so you can listen to a better yeah, it's, story.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really good. So I, I highly recommend that if you have not, but I just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Okay, so the idea for Hunt the Truth uh, from the trailers and from, I guess, the audio, I haven't listened to it, so I can't verify, was that Master Chief has essentially betrayed the UNSC for personal reasons, and it's up to Spartan Locke to hunt him down and discover why Chief would become a traitor. The trailers feature dramatic confrontations between Master Chief and Spartan Locke, and present them as deeply antagonistic forces to each other. Now, if you've played Halo 5, you'll know that's a pretty big exaggeration compared to what actually happens, but we'll get to that later. Regardless of the nature of the marketing, fans were very intrigued by Halo 5 on a conceptual level. It seemed like a real, exciting shakeup to the Halo formula, so it didn't really have a ton of skepticism surrounding it. There was like a weird amount of hype for Halo 5, people were pretty down for Halo 5. I think more so after
1: four because of the disappointment, at least in me, of Halo 4, yeah. where I was like, This actually feels mm-hmm. good. And like Halo Plus, canonically, it brings Blue Team, and yeah, like yeah. that was huge. For it
0: me. felt like a big event yeah. in the Halo universe. Like, we're bringing every it's like Avengers Endgame, we're bringing everything together all at once. Buck, well, I- we'll talk about it later, <laughs> at best. This would be a game that took into consideration the criticisms criticisms of Halo 4 and would improve the stuff that people already liked. All weapons would be able to be aimed with a cool holographic overlay. That is one thing I actually like in Halo 5. Uh, players would be equipped with thrusters and a shoulder charge as a standard feature. Halo 5 would utilize the new Xbox controller's features like adaptable and vibrating triggers. The multiplayer would be bigger and more chaotic than ever with a new mode called Warzone, a combination of a bunch of different modes smashed into one giant map. Which also actually, Halo 5's multiplayer, we'll, we'll get into to it later, but like that's one of the best multiplayer's. I loved
1: Warzone. Warzone was awesome. Yeah, game. Warzone's great. Yeah. Uh,
0: Satoru Tojima was the composer for Halo Five, and he wanted to really implement the series's older music cues for Halo Five. Tojima previously worked as a sound designer on games like Metal Gear Solid Two, Three, and Four, and his work on Halo Four is actually pretty damn solid. Hey, I actually the music in Halo Five it's so cinematic.
1: It is, and it's it's got that. It's kind of reminiscent of the eerie feeling you mm-hmm. kind of get that where it's like. You know, even though you got a team again, but it's still kind of eerie. They know? did a good.
0: He did a good job with like the mysticism of the Halo universe. I think that's like the the ma- the major takeaway of that soundtrack is like this feels big and like mythological in a way. Yeah. Um. Before the eventual release of Halo Five, however, in fact, almost a whole year before the release of Halo Five, a tie-in miniseries called Halo Nightfall began airing on the Halo Channel, the successor to Halo Waypoint. Nightfall was an origin story for the secondary protagonist of Halo 5, who you actually end up playing more more than the Chief Spartan Locke. I say secondary protagonist, but like he is the protagonist and Chief. Chief you only get like for like two missions.
1: Yeah, it's very little. You play as Locke basically for the, the majority of the game. So whatever. Yeah.
0: They they try pulling a Metal Gear Solid 2. Have you played Metal Gear Solid 2, where you start the game as uh, Solid Snake and then they switch to Raiden? For the rest of the game oh really yeah different characters so i think that's almost what they were trying to do was like we're gonna make people mad with this
1: yeah or kind of like throw back to like halo 2 where it's like oh we're bringing yeah, in the arbiter yeah, as too. well too the arbiter was like, but was that like, was too more like bad. that was still more equal though yeah we like this uh, one is like now nah, it's like here's four missions as a chief and here's 40 as lock <laughs>
0: yeah This was yet another attempt by Xbox to create a living, connected Halo universe, but it was met with pretty mixed reviews, despite being produced by Ridley Scott, the mastermind behind Alien and Gladiator. Not a great start to the Halo 5 lore machine, unfortunately, but as you said, they pretty much turned it around with Hunt the Truth, and I mean, the commercials were sick. Yeah, they
1: were They were just deceptive. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely deceptive.
0: We'll talk about it. Halo 5 Guardians was released on October 27th, 2015, and made around $500 million in its first week, a new series record. It got decent reviews from critics, with a lot of praise for its visual fidelity and multiplayer. However, both fans and critics alike were torn on the game's campaign, and more specifically, the game's story. Fans, including myself, were pretty bewildered by the game's depiction and treatment of Master Chief, the main character of the franchise. A lot of the experience felt somewhat out of character from the man we've seen in all of the games prior, and it felt weird that Spartan Locke was at times besting Chief in hand-to-hand combat. I was playing Halo 5 recently, and I got to that cutscene. I'm just like, I just want to shield my eyes. Master Chief wins the fight. Like, if you've, if you've played Halo 5, you know what cutscene I'm talking about in the mine. Master Chief wins the fight, but it's like, Locke should not have gotten even one good hit in on Master Chief.
1: No. Well, because they're completely different, like, if you go into lore stuff. It's, oh, yeah, Part 2, Spartan 4. Like, they're completely differently, me- you know, biomechanically. Yeah, they're, they're almost literally, literally engineered humans. differently. Yes, so that that fight should have been a... Chief should have just beat the living crap out of <laughs> like, like,
0: one with punch. punch with,
1: all right, no, I'm gonna yeah, go. It, it should have been, like, Saitama.
0: That would have been... That would have been the... I would have clapped like that would have been such a good moment. Like, cause this is one of the first time you're seeing chief from a yeah. different perspective. Exactly. And so it would have been such a badass moment. If for the first time you're playing as someone seeing, you know, from the outside perspective of chief and you walk up and chief, just no
1: knocks like, get out of my way. Like I'm not even <laughs> like you, you are a fly on my, like
0: you feel like how a grunt does. Yeah, exactly. Like, that like, would have been such a good fan servicey move. And like, I get they're not trying. They weren't, I, I get they weren't trying to do everything fan y in that game, but that would have been such a great moment. Like, people would be still—people would have memed that so hard. Yeah. People would still be memeing that hard. Oh, exactly. So, it's just like, man, there was so much potential, and they just kind of—ah. Not to mention 343's over-reliance on Cortana as a narrative device for humanizing Master Chief. Could 343 just not commit to letting Cortana go, or was this the plan from the start? It just felt like 343 couldn't make up their mind. They'd go one direction and then backtrack it on later. Not to mention the actual level design of the campaign is pretty damn linear. It's the most fast paced Halo gameplay yet, but when I was playing it last night, I felt like, man, these really are just this is pretty much just a basic FPS. There's almost nothing. Sometimes you get in a Warthog, but you never have anything on the level of like silent cartographer or
1: Well, yeah, you you don't really have a choice to really go do different things in different orders. It life. is just you were going in a
0: straight line. Exactly. Which I think is why the next game is being structured the way it is is because people had a visceral response to halo five yeah the entire thing felt a tad misguided but there are some nice lore tidbits like the first game appearance of blue team master chief's old fire team from the books also fan favorite character buck from halo 3 odst played by nathan fillion of firefly fame made a return as a spartan and part of fire team osiris sucks that he was part of the bad guys but I mean, yeah. bad guys in quotes, and his,
1: but. his quippy little, like, really he, he, it. I
0: love, like, there's actually some good lines of his is like, you know, everyone's going to hate us for trying to hunt down master chief. Right. You know, like, and like there's a, the part where they see master chief and you could tell he's just like, Oh God, that's master chief. <laughs> you know? oh God, he's like the only, doing? he's like the only guy because he was an ODST. So he's been on like the normal person side of things. You know, before and so, like when he sees Master Chief, you do. He has that moment of just like, "That's Master Chief, yeah, the guy from the the big war." You know? And
1: <laughs> like, he's like, "I've been there, but nowhere close to." That
0: I yet. am not fighting that man. Like even when Spartan Locke and Master Chief are fighting, he's just kind of like, like, "I'm just old, gonna chill here." All the teams are kind of just like, "Uh, that's Master Chief. I'm just gonna let yeah. this see how this plays out." Like, I hate that cutsuit so. Like the whole thing of Halo Five is like, there's some good nuggets in there. But it just feels like the entire thing is a little misguided.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, they I don't know. It's 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 like kind of back to the whole they gotta make him more human mm-hmm. and not just a hulking one man army. Oh, and, and the,
0: the dialogue is so weird at sometimes. Yeah. Like Master Chief just like talks more than he should.
1: Oh, and that's the thing, is like the chief you heard literally in Halo and CE, literally like barely anything. Yeah. And I get this is
0: a changed chief because Cortana is gone. Yeah. And so like he's a little more like, he's on a personal mission now, but at the same time, it's like, there's so many times where Chief spoke, I'm like, Chief wouldn't say that. Like, that just doesn't sound like something he would say, which, maybe that's the point because, you know, whoa, Chief is so out of character right now, but when it's your second game as the new, like, Bungie could have gotten away with that. Yeah. But, when it's your second game in the main line, and you're already kind of doing stuff that's out of character, even if it's on purpose, it just feels wrong. But, Regardless, the multiplayer is widely considered the strongest part of Halo 5, but the inclusion of design conventions like loot boxes, weapon skins, and other items designed to encourage players to spend money on microtransactions left many with a sour taste in their mouths. Watching behind the scenes, like, yeah, we have this pizza skin! And the trailer has, like, dubstep and whatever, and there's a, a video of, like, the guys opening a loot box like, uh-oh, here it comes, the loot! And it's like, and there's all the cards slipping around, it's like, wow, I got this! This is so great! It's just like, man, this feels so... They tried too hard. ...fake. Yeah. Well, it's just like, Bungie was always leading instead of following, and everything in 5 just felt like it was following and not leading.
1: Especially with microtransactions, because that was when microtransactions were just getting...
0: Yeah, 2015 was like when it was like... Here we go, like loot boxes specifically cuz um Overwatch.
1: Yes. Oh, and that was such a huge thing and they did it. So
0: And I know like Counter-Strike and Payday did it before Overwatch, but Overwatch was the moment where it was like loot boxes are now a thing. And Overwatch didn't come out till 2016, but the beta was running before that. Anyway, I think it's fair to say that Halo 5 is the low point in the series. Is that unfair? Is that is it the worst game?
1: I mean, uh- altogether, I don't. I think 5's better than 4 personally. Okay. Um but that's
0: cuz your boys and gals from Blue Team are in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like the campaign I thought. I mean the campaign was whatever. It was fun. It was a fun thing to play, especially like if you are playing with your friends. It's a fun kind of way to go into it, does it. Lot, it. Yeah, multiplayer wise though, I think five was a lot better than four. I
0: could see, yeah, like the complete package of five. Exactly, could campaign be considered wise, better than
1: four. Campaign wise, I think four was a lot better than five. I agree with that for sure. But multiplayer wise, I think five was better because
0: yeah, they like swapped. It was like yeah. force campaign was solid and the multiplayer was trash, and five's campaign is. I don't want to say trash, but not subpar subpar and the multiplayer is great. Yeah. And like, so not, and that's
1: the thing is like, you know, it's Halo 5s multiplayer. Like,
0: like, I don't want to say Halo 5 is a bad game. No. It's, it's just, it's, I would rather play better. just about any of the other games over, <laughs> over it. I was playing Master Chief Collection and then you go to five and you're just kind of like, man, I wish I was playing Halo Reach right now. Exactly. Yeah. Sales-wise, Halo 5 was technically the best Halo had ever been, but the rather unexpectedly hostile response to Halo 5 may have prompted 343 Industries to go back to the drawing board a bit to really figure out why people just weren't connecting to their games. Not to mention, despite breaking series records, Halo 5 Guardians didn't even show up on the top 10 bestsellers list of 2015. It placed 14th behind even the last year's Call of Duty game, Advanced Warfare. So 2014's Call of Duty game outsold a brand new Halo game.
1: And that was regarded as one of the worst I
0: like Advanced Warfare's campaign, albeit it hasn't aged well because of the campaign was good, spacey, but but
1: the multiplayer was forget it, god awful. Get out of here. And the zombies mode that they tried, yeah,
0: it was uh, like this is this is kind of what I was leading up to. All those episodes where I'm like, Halo's on the way out, guys. I promise, this is kind of what where this was going, where a new Halo game comes out and it doesn't even chart in the top ten in its year, where previously it was halo 2 and 3 were the best-selling entertainment properties ever created movie or otherwise movie game or otherwise and then halo just isn't even it's not halo anymore charting you know it's not even topping the industry it belongs in anymore so not even close so that's kind of the end of that little (laughs) storyline that i was trying to cultivate last episode just like i swear guys it's I know they're selling hundreds of millions of, <laughs> they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's getting worse. I promise. But Halo just wasn't lighting the world on fire anymore. It's like they had an instruction book- booklet telling them everything necessary for a Halo experience, but it wasn't enough to simply copy everything down and follow the rulebook step by step. There needed to be some heart and soul to it, a little risk involved, and not their idea of risk, which was we'll have Spartan Locke be a playable character and then almost beat Master Chief in a fight. There needed to be something deep within the DNA changed or analyzed. And that was going to take a lot of time to figure out. There hasn't been a single mainline entry in the series since 2015, a far cry from when there was at least one every two or three years. Even like, yeah, about every three. years. It's every three years because except uh, Halo Reach was 2010 and Halo 2 was 2012. Yeah, but that was studio, two different studios. But that was so. two different
1: studios. But like, that was like the big thing is Halo 4 was three years after Halo 3, and Halo 5 was three years after Halo 4. So it always went a three-year cycle. And then now going back to this, it's like I remember when they. When they really haven't done anything, and then you know, it came out in 2015, and then 2018 was like, I think that's when they just announced Infinite. That, that
0: was when they announced, they announced Infinite. Was 2018.
1: Which... I was I was bewildered at that. I was like, well,
0: everyone, I, we, you, we were there. You were yeah. you. Were, we were in the same room. Yeah, I know. We were
1: like, oh, just the announcement. Like that's all right. Like Halo like was, we were happy for it. Like, like it was really cool. It was
0: exactly what Halo needed. Was just take some time off, make it so when you come back, everyone's thrilled.
1: Exactly, and it's like you know, it's like I would have liked a Halo game in three years. But the thing is, is the scope that they're going with, we'll get to it, but you can't do that in three years.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the Halo machine didn't slow down too much while 343 was off on a soul-searching journey. During the development of Halo Wars, the 2009 Halo RTS game by the now-defunct Ensemble Studios, there was already plans for a potential sequel. However, after the studio was closed during the game's development, their version of a Halo Wars 2 never happened. But when 343 Industries really started to ramp up their involvement with Halo following the release of Halo 4, they were looking for any opportunity they might have had to expand the universe of Halo and work with exciting partners. In 2014, during the development of the Master Chief Collection and Halo 5, 343 Industries and Microsoft approached SEGA-owned studio Creative Assembly to see if they wanted to make a sequel to the acclaimed Halo RTS, Halo Wars. Like Ensemble Studios before them, Creative Assembly was widely known for their critically acclaimed and successful pedigree of real-time strategy games. Ensemble was Age of Empires, Creative Assembly was Total War. Total War is very well regarded within the RTS community, renowned for its complexity and reliance on battlefield tactics. Aside from Blizzard, the creators of StarCraft, UK-based Creative Assembly was probably the most clear-cut and obvious choice if you wanted someone to make a great real-time strategy game. However, despite being made by the team behind Total War, they didn't want to treat Halo Wars 2 like a Total War game. This would be Halo Wars 2, in every meaning of the name. They'd be building on the foundation created by Ensemble Studios, rather than doing their thing but for Halo. However, unlike the first Halo Wars, Halo Wars 2 was being developed for both console AND PC, using the intuitive control scheme that was created specifically to RTS games work on console. So now you have a game set in a heavily PC-based genre that was adapted to consoles and is now going to be playable on PC with the console control scheme. It's not really that big of a deal, I just thought that was funny. Like, you go you take a PC genre and we make it work on console and now we're making that thing that worked on console work on PC. In terms of story, Halo Wars 2, Halo Wars 2 is an interesting case. The first Halo Wars was a prequel set before the events of Combat Evolved and even before Halo Reach. There were a lot of projects being made at the same time, so Ensemble didn't want to step on any toes and cause any Unnecessary complications. It was a completely separate story told in the universe. However, Halo Wars 2 was developed in the middle of Microsoft and 343's integrated universe initiative, the Reclaimer Saga. Halo Wars 2 was going to be a relatively integral part of the Halo universe going forward, rather than a standalone story with minor repercussions in the grand scheme of things. Blur Studios returned to make the cutscenes for Halo Wars 2, that was then following up on that lead. So you know, Microsoft and 343 meant business. Halo Wars 2 also saw the introduction of a brand new faction in the Halo universe, the Banished. And I know the Banished weren't introduced in Halo Wars 2, but that was their first in-game appearance. Yeah, they were. I read about it that it was actually apparently they were teased beforehand or something. Really? Yeah, maybe. I didn't know that. Maybe, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, maybe, like... Terminals or something. They
1: might have been in the terminals or something. I might. I'm hmm,
0: I'm going to. I read on the Halo. I went. It was Halopedia, Keegan. Yeah. They don't lie.
1: Yeah. That's the fan (laughs) site. Because
0: I I went to them to verify, like, was this the introduction of the Banished? And they said, actually, they had been teased a little bit before Halo Wars 2. So it wasn't the introduction, but it was their first major appearance. Damn nerds. So I'm like. Okay, <laughs> but Halo Wars 2, for all intents and purposes, was the formal introduction. Where we saw them in the yeah. game, yep. A combination of all kinds of different Covenant species, all exiled from the Covenant. This faction would become the new main threat facing the universe of Halo, a threat to both the UNSC and the Covenant. Which I actually kind of like an idea of having a threat to both, because at the end of Halo 3, the Covenant and UNSC are kind of
1: pals. Well, it's the che- the elites... Well, uh, yeah, that is true. And the covenant basically gets dissolved. But yeah.
0: yeah. But, but like, And then on. Halo four starts and you're fighting elites again. And you're just like, what? Branded. And I'm so sure the re-branded
1: they branded just... covenant and all that. stuff. Yeah.
0: And so th- this was kind of a nice way of just being like, you're going to be fighting elites, but it's going to make sense now. <laughs> Which so
1: a lot of people, they're like, why am I fighting elites again in Halos and yeah. Halo six? It's like banished. If you, if you guys don't haven't played Halo Wars two, don't want to, that's fine. I, I watch the cutscenes. Watch the cutscenes. Cut Doesn't take that long. It's actually a pretty, pretty good nice. story. I actually enjoyed the story. Yeah.
0: Halo Wars 2 was announced in 2015 at Gamescom in Germany. The trailer was sick. It was Atriox's introduction where he's beating the hell out of the, the Marines and the Spartan shows.
1: Yeah, that that is an intense cutscene. It's so good.
0: Blur puts in work. Yes. But they do a good job of like actually making a good intimidating villain that's Oh not... yeah.
1: Atriox was a very good villain. You know, comparing I mean He, he was, was an actual threat. threat. Well yeah, comparing him to Tartarus. Yeah. The only other big bad
0: yeah.
1: you know, yep. brute. I think Atriox is a lot more intimidating than Tartarus. But
0: even Tartarus had like his moments in two where it's yeah. like the universe was at threat because he was stealing guilty spark and he was activated. Yeah. So it's like the Brutes kind of have a history of being, like, the best villains. Well,
1: yeah, and one of that thing is, like, Tartarus is, like, he's just a big, dumb guy just yeah. following orders. Where it's well, like, he even
0: tells, like, shut up, I'm not listening to you, I'm just going to do this thing because I, I the great journey and all that.
1: Where Aatrox is like, I'm just fed up with your guys' BS because yeah. I'm not an idiot. I'm
0: just angry at you guys because you tried to kill me. Yeah, Halo Wars 2 was Im- initially meant to come out in 2016, but it would eventually be released in February 2017 as the first Halo game to come out simultaneously on console and PC. Like, even uh, CE was released on PC, but it wasn't until, like, two years later. It was also included at launch with Xbox Game Pass, which is how I played a little bit of it. A subscription-based game service that allows players to play a variety of games on a rotation, Netflix-style. Um, we're not really going to go into Xbox Game Pass. This is a Halo show, but maybe in the future. The specific release date for Halo Wars 2 was f- was February 21st, 2017, and the game got relatively average reviews. Effectively, it was more the same. It was... Halo Wars, but more of it. But hey, that was more than enough for a lot of people. The main points of criticism were in the game's AI and unambitious mission structure, but most actually liked the narrative direction Halo was taking. The sales were not hot, though. Halo Wars 2 only sold around 150,000 copies after its first week on sale, and that's not just North America, that's Worldwide.
1: I was a part of those 150,000.
0: Hey, y- y- thank you for your service. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, this is a spin off title and was also available through Xbox Game Pass, which is probably how most people played it. Because, like, why spend 60 bucks on a new game when you can spend 10, 15 bucks, you know? But this is pretty underwhelming, especially considering Halo Wars 1 sold around 1 million copies after a month. That was the closest to a week's sales that I could find. I'm like, I know it's not directly comparable, but... But if you multiply 150 times four, it's... Yeah, it's still half. (laughs) Halo Wars 2 failed to leave a lasting mark, but it's not all doom and gloom, however. Halo Wars 2 was planned from the beginning to be a small part of a larger picture, a stepping stone just something bigger. And, if you're curious, Creative Assembly is fine. They didn't suffer the same fate as Ensemble Studios. I felt like I needed to point that out. Because they're owned by Sega, so they, they, they weren't owned by Microsoft like Ensemble was. Um, most recently, they released A Total War Saga Troy, a total war game depicting the mythical battle as depicted in the Iliad. It was actually free on the Epic Games Store on the first yeah, day. Yeah, first 24 up. hours. I have it. Yeah. I, have it. I, I, I tried it. Never played a Total War game before. I, had, I don't know what I'm doing. I, yeah. But I, I, would like to. It, it seems like a pretty surprisingly big game. Scale, scale wise, yeah, it's huge. Well, it's just like there's a lot of content, in it. because they they were selling it from the jump of like this is just a side thing. That's why it's called a Total War Saga or whatever. It's not a Total War game. And I'm playing. I'm like, there's a lot here. You know, especially as a newcomer. You have so much to learn, too. Like, this could... Anyway, not a Total War show. Probably we'll never cover Total War, just because, like I said...
1: We don't really have interest
0: in it. I just played the newest one, and it was my first time ever playing, so... (laughs) The passion is not exactly there yet. Anyway, we're beginning to catch up with the current state of Halo, but before we get to where it's going from here... I want to briefly touch on some of the smaller Halo titles that were released between Halo 4 and today. Two twin stick shooter spin offs named Spartan Assault and Spartan Strike were released in 2013 and 2015, respectively. Spartan Assault was released on Windows 8, Windows Phone, and Xbox One later that year. It was actually the first Halo game released on the Xbox One, which was kind of like. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah I, you know, I remember that. It was like, the they, hey, you was want Halo? Like, oh, all right, sure. Yeah, was like, hey, this all right. is Halo. Fifteen bucks, and I was playing. I was like, all right, this is kind of.
0: I feel like it was just kind of put there to tie people over for the Master Chief and Halo Master Chief Collection. And Halo. I
1: mean, it tied into Halo Four, so yeah. Oh yeah. With Palmer and whatnot, but
0: both of the games were developed in collaboration between 343 3 Industries and Vanguard Games, a studio that had previously worked on indie twin stick shooter games. The events of the game takes place between Halo Three and Halo Four, and follow one of the side characters from Halo Four, Sarah Palmer. Oh, I love, uh, you're about to see one of my favorite details in this entire series. Spartan Assault was also the first Halo game to be released on a mobile platform, which is notable because there were actually rumors that Halo games had been in the works for the Game Boy Advance and the Nintendo DS.
1: I remember the DS rumor. I remember that was like, I was freaking out. because like, oh my God, on the DS? Because everyone
0: had a DS? Yes. In fact, Matt casamasina from IGN at the time even reported that he had played a demo for the DS Halo game but never confirmed the source of the demo. And there's even, like, footage... Was it,
1: like, very crude, like, Yeah, there's footage
0: online, but I don't know if it's... Actual true, or... Like, the demo he played might have even just been something fake. Or, like, and the thing that's online might even just be a fan-made thing that they said, oh, this was the prototype from 2006, or whatever. Either way, it's pretty safe to assume that the demo that was played was either a fan-made hoax, or... It simply never saw the light of day in an official capacity. Because Bungie always was like, no, that's not happening. And Microsoft was also like, no, we're not doing that. But it's like, I don't know, the DS is like the most popular thing on the planet call of duty is
1: getting released on ds one of the highest selling game consoles yeah. ever
0: yeah so it would have made it would have been weird for sure for an xbox game to be on a nintendo console but like
1: wouldn't have looked good
0: yeah there was even a, a logo i saw on the halo PDF. i was like that's probably fake but like i mean it's absolutely 100 fake because it was never officially acknowledged even, let alone...
1: But it was cool, especially for young kids like us who were like...
0: Oh, great internet playground fuel of like, you know, you're on the playground, yo, I heard they're making a, a DS Halo game. It's like, I also heard that Toad is in Smash Bros. You <laughs> <know>? <laughs> Other than the two Spartan Assault games, Halo also went free to play in 2015 with a game called Halo Online, a Russia-only online Halo game made for PC, which was very weird. It was developed by Saber Interactive, a Russia-based studio, which is why it was Russia-only, who had previously helped 343 Industries with both Halo anniversary games. It's a bit odd that it was a Russia-exclusive, but the game never even really made it past the beta phase when its servers shut down in late 2015. But that didn't stop a large international audience from attempting to play it anyway, however, which is actually what initially prompted 343 Industries to port the Master Chief Collection to PC, beginning... In late 2019, because I, I read that like they were probably already planning on putting it on PC, just because they're putting all of the Xbox games on PC. But I think people desperately modding Halo Online and trying to play it on PC. They were just like, you know what? We should probably just probably hurry up
1: on this. I remember there's a there's a big like right now. I, it was like a big PC like modded thing that you could actually play. In you could the even US. like make your own levels and stuff. Yeah, and stuff <clears throat> like that. And a lot of people played it and everything. And that's basically how people played Halo Online at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, it was Russia only, which I remember I was like, "Why? why? Because Saber Interactive. They were just beta testing it in a local area. That was the idea. In 2017, Microsoft was attempting to create a space in mixed reality, a combination of VR technology and augmented reality. Basically, it's VR, but you can still see your surroundings. Halo Recruit was a tech demo for their Windows Mixed Reality headsets that were available to play at trade shows, Microsoft stores, and later on, Windows 10. But only if you owned a mixed reality headset, which aren't exactly a common sight anymore, not that they really were to begin with. I have seen... It is literally just like you stand in a spot and you shoot stuff that comes at you. It's a shooting gallery, but with Halo guns. Sounds fun. I remember people playing it at like E3 or PAX or something like that and be like, this is so cool. But you're in this specialized environment instead of in your living room and... You never have to play it again so it's like yeah that's really what it was was just a tech demo one of the most interesting side projects in this era of halo however comes in the form of halo fireteam raven an arcade only halo experience unleashed onto dave and busters around the country in 2018 fireteam raven was an on rail shooter in the vein of time crisis and was playable by up to four people at once each controlling an odst soldier during the events of combat evolved I actually really would love to play that. I have. You you've played it. It's
1: so cool. It, it's this a, is a fun thing. I, yeah. What? Yeah. No. It's it's uh. Yeah. Literally. Oh, it was like almost right when he came out because I was like, Dude. I gotta go. So like, Dude. went with a couple of people, sat in it. You know, David Buster's having fun. It was. It's actually really fun. I
0: really, really want to play it. it.
1: It feels very Halo CE. And You even get this section in a Warthog. Yep. God, I watched a video of it. I'm like, it's really cool. If you ever get the time, hey, when you come to Omaha next, when all this stuff's done.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Oh, dude, dude, we we gotta gotta do that. Okay, now we're officially caught up with Halo. The only Halo properties left to discuss are the ones yet to come. We're no longer speaking in retrospective terms, so forgive me if this part of the episode becomes a bit more conversational or speculative than previously. Right now, we're patiently awaiting the release of next-gen consoles from both PlayStation and Xbox. The PS5 from PlayStation and the Series X and Series S hasn't been confirmed, but leaked by the controller, the Series S from Xbox. All of these are planned to be released sometime this November, and we still don't know an official date or price, despite that only being just, just over two months away, which is odd. Regardless, the launch of the next generation of Xbox systems was going to be where 343 made their huge splash with a brand new Halo game. Before we even really knew what the Series X was, we got a glimpse of a brand new Halo game at E3 2018, powered by a brand new engine called the Slip Space Engine. Beautiful vistas, Marines cruising in a Warhog and Master Chief ready to fight on yet another Halo ring. This game would be called Halo Infinite, and we wouldn't hear any real details about Infinite for a very long time, not until this year, right? Or
1: 2019 they had, they had last, last D3 they had that trailer. But even
0: then we didn't get any details, it's just oh there's a new character. It was
1: literally just a new character. That's it.
0: Yeah, and then this year is like, okay, here we go. There was a ton of speculation about Infinite, especially in regards to its title, Infinite. What could that mean? Are they going to take a destiny approach and make this a living, expanding world? Is this going to be an open-world RPG? Is it even going to have an actual campaign? There was so much that was not known, and even today, there's still a lot left in the air. Here's what we do know, however. Halo Infinite is going to have a single-player component, and yes, It is going open world, complete with a world map and a non-linear list of objectives to complete. This might be them struggling to find innovations to chase, or maybe it's them following recent trends, but I actually think it makes sense for a series that has always prided itself on its vast sandbox-like level design. Multiplayer is still a pretty hidden factor, but we do know that it's going to launch separately from the single player as a free-to-play mode. So even if you don't buy Halo Infinite, You'll still be able to play online and teabag to your heart's content hopefully it's a traditional multiplayer mode we still we still don't know <laughs> 343 seems like they really want to recapture the tone of bungie's halo games with infinite It seems like they're gunning for a much more player-driven experience than their previous attempts. Like, Halo 5 is pretty much just a movie you play. Old foes like the Brutes and Elites are returning, the Prometheans seem to be missing, and Master Chief's armor even seems to be redesigned with Halo 2 and 3 in mind. Thank God. That's not to say it's chasing the previous games completely, however. They're also adding new weapons from pretty much every single faction in Halo, and they're also giving Master Chief a new toy to play with. A grappling hook this will allow for greater traversal and combat opportunities and just from the demo that's been shown it also seems like the level design will be much more vertical compared to previous halo games halo infinite was originally slated to be a series x launch game but it has recently been delayed to an early 2021 release for next gen xbox one and pc is it early 2021 or just 2021 pretty
1: sure it's just 2021 I don't know if they said early or not.
0: I just put early because I'm like, it can't be that late into 2021. They might
1: have said early, but I wouldn't be surprised. Just due to
0: all the feedback they've been getting and COVID,
1: it could be like... I wouldn't be surprised if it's next fall.
0: I, I think my guess is May. My guess is May or June, dude. It'd be so hype though. New Halo game
1: in the summer. Midsummer summer release, that would be. I mean, that'd be a good release date. But I would not. It be doesn't surprised.
0: know. It doesn't mean it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I would be. I would not be surprised. Like I said, if it was until fall of 2021.
0: And it's not unheard of for games to be delayed that far. No.
1: The good thing is, is I'd rather take a delay.
0: Well. Also, the situation is
1: understandable. Yes, that they say it is, though.
0: Yeah, <laughs> If we take their word for exactly. it. Exactly. Which, that's all we really can do, because we don't really have too much evidence to the contrary. Yeah. The game has already received some criticism for its inconsistent visual fidelity. However, the delay is most likely due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic here in the United States. Despite everything, though, I'm super excited for Infinite. Like the demo, it's not mind blowing, but it just looks like a fun Halo game, which is, I think is exactly just what it needs to be It's just back to basics, fun experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, kind of like you said, it's, it's going to be reminiscent of the old games, mm-hmm. but I think they're doing the right things this time and going with them more. So they are going with the times where yeah. open world's a huge mm-hmm. thing and everything like that. It's
0: Players after Breath of the Wild, it's like, everything has to be this, you discover it on your own. type. And, of and I remember that.
1: I remember hearing that the rumor, it might be a world. And I was like. How the hell do you make an opal? Well,
0: I also heard there's going to be like upgradable armor pieces yeah, and stuff well, like that.
1: I've got a guy who's a big Halo YouTuber who I work with, and he knows some people. He actually knows a guy who works 343 and kind of got a little bit of insight. I
0: have heard there there's still, I, I have heard discussion that there still will be some.
1: And the upgradable upgrades. stuff. So like the grappling hook is actually can be swapped out. Kind of like equipment, so also like Doom. So yeah, so you know how he throws up the shield in the trailer, like that big like shield thing. It's kind of like that, where it's going to be kind of reminiscent of the Halo Three equipment, essentially. That's kind of what it's going to be, a little bit like. But then you can upgrade that stuff as well too, where like you know a more durable shield or something.
0: At first, I was super like, "Oh man, that's not what Halo is." But now I'm kind of like, after playing like Ghost of Tsushima, and like leveling up with a character just a basic skill tree not even leveling up it's like you know what
1: screw it and if they can do it in the right way it, it'll be a great game
0: yeah and it's still like single player shooter Palo game like one of, one of the most exciting parts of the entire demo was when he grappled like an explosive barrel to him and threw it i was like this is some bungee level stuff where it's just small stuff yeah. that Let's the player experiment experiments in ways they never thought they could before.
1: But also the AI the AI interaction too is you know when that grunt was oh, they it, throw that was a brute throwing yeah at,
0: the elite yeah the the brutes throw grunts at you that was awesome because I remember when they added the suicide grunt, or the yeah. suicide grunt that was like a yeah. big like a whoa this is crazy the AI and everything and so it feels almost reminiscent of that where it's like this does feel like bungee level innovations that we're doing small stuff that changes the way you think about halo and again like i don't think we're really going to understand infinite until we play it like how if it is good how good it is until we play it i don't think we'll understand so yeah we'll see also in 2021 we'll hopefully be finally be seeing the fruits of what was originally steven spielberg's halo tv series on showtime which i mentioned near the top of this podcast i just wanted a nice little full circle we start talking about the tv show and then we end it because that is that on Halo, that is the end. We don't know where Halo will go after Infinite. It's so exciting and scary and I'm kind of sad that it's over, um, that the series is over. We don't even know if Infinite will be good, to be honest. All we can really do is hope for the best and understand that Halo isn't the same as it used to be. But if Bungie was still in charge of making Halo, would it still be the same Halo? Mind you, I doubt they'd still be making Halo even if they could, but hypothetically, if they were, what do you think they'd be doing with it? Maybe it would have been Destiny, an ever-evolving online RPG in a vast universe. Maybe it would have gone open world, maybe it would still be the same FPS it was when we left off with Reach. We'll never really know and honestly, it doesn't really do us any good to speculate. The reality is that 343 Industries is the studio in charge of Halo. Even if Bungie was in charge of Halo right now, I almost guarantee we'd still be ruminating over the great times we had in Halo 2 or how Halo 3 was the peak of the franchise and how it all went downhill after Halo Reach. New Titans, have taken Halo's place. It was Call of Duty, then it was Destiny, then PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, now Fortnite, and who knows what else in the near future. The world is a different place than it was in 1999 when Halo was still a third-person shooter designed for the Mac by a little studio called Bungie. But that's the beauty of revisiting those older games. 2001, 2004, 2007, and 2010 are there anytime you want. If that's the Halo you want, then that's the Halo you can play. Maybe it would have been best if Halo was left in the past. Maybe it's a show of what it used to be. But let me end on this. Is more Halo really such a bad thing?
1: Thanks. Thanks for the memories, and can't wait to keep making them. Actually, I've got a little story. So mm-hmm. I work at I work at a Best Buy. You know, everybody probably knows what that is. We had a guy come in a week or two ago, and he come and he's like, Hey, where's your Master Chief collection at? We're like, over there, to my to my assistants from manager. He's like, over there. He's like, Alright, cool. Thanks. He's like I'm getting it, and my son is going to play it with me for oh, the first time.
0: Co op. Yeah, yeah, so he's going
1: to play with his son to play Halo for the first time. And I was like, oh, that just hit me in the heart.
0: And plus, one of our friends recently tweeted, like, I'm going through the series for the first time. Yeah. Maybe he was inspired by this podcast because I know he's listening. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's
1: been interested in it, and I'll actually be playing with him once oh. he gets to Halo 3. So, yeah, like I said, I've got a younger brother who will be 10 this year. So hopefully within the next couple of years, I'll I'll get him into it. That's why
0: I'm kind of happy Halo hasn't ended is because you still have reasons for the next generation to play the old ones. You know, if... Those had just stayed in the past, then would people really be willing to go and dig up those games? If there wasn't a Halo Infinite on the horizon or a Halo 5, would the next generation of gamers even care about Halo 1 through Reach? I don't know, you know? So that's why that's why I kinda say, like, is more Halo such a bad thing? Is like, do you really Yes, its best years are kind of behind it, but do you really want to let it die just yet? Do you really want this to be left in the past? Just not just yet. I don't know. You know, like that's where the best memories are. But the thing about Halo is that there's always the potential to create new memories. And I'm sure Halo Infinite will be the source of a lot of new memories for a lot of people. Yeah.
1: We'll just have to wait and see.
0: But yeah. That's that on Halo. I'm four, five hours of Halo talk, all things said and done.
1: And that was a month.
0: That was a whole month talking about Halo, but thanks for listening. And that's the end of this four-part series. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a ton of work to research and put together. I hope you've had fun sticking with us, and I hope you learned something while we were, we were talking about Halo. I typed nearly 100 pages of scripts for this series. 12-point font, Courier New, not even, like, big boy font. That was 100 natural pages, not double-spaced. I mean, I did some indents here and there, but, but, you know, honestly, Keegan, I'm excited to do it again.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm excited. We got you're excited, excited
0: for me to, me to do it again. Yeah, and me to
1: just sing here and, and hang out and learn a few things and teach you a few things.
0: Yeah, which I think we'll definitely be doing next episode. But I'm not gonna. I'm gonna, No, I'm I'm, I'm
1: ex, excited for this one. I'm gonna.
0: I told Keegan what the next episode is gonna be about, but I'm not gonna. No,
1: and I won't give it away either. But it, it's, it's gonna be a fun one. It'll be a fun. It's thing. something
0: I've always wanted someone people to make a cohesive thing on, if that makes sense. Like a yeah. cohesive beginning and end to, if that makes sense. So, as for what that is, you'll just have to find out next week on Random Access Memories. See you next time, and take care.
1: Goodbye, Halo! We will see you and miss you.
0: Thank you for listening to Random Access Memories, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want more, check out our previous episodes and or subscribe to the show on the podcast platform of your choice. This podcast was produced by Ron's Pies on YouTube, so please check the channel out, subscribe, and share the show. You can follow me on Twitter, at WadeLikesPie, and Keegan at Key underscore Gan underscore Gin. See you next time.